Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. A chaotic Royal Rumble weekend that I was in attendance for. Just got back a couple of days ago from San Antonio. Had a great time, not just the Rumble itself, but all the media events leading up to it. Uh, went on a ghost tour in the city the day after. Stayed busy all weekend long. Well worth the trip. Great time. Looking forward to WrestleMania in a couple of short months. Um, before any of that, though, we are going to review the Rumble here on today's show, myself and Mr. Marceau. We don't have him for too long. Uh, we also do have an exclusive interview with SmackDown superstar L.A. Knight. Yeah, I've interviewed L.A. Knight twice before, once when he was Eli Drake, about five, five and a half years ago, right before he won the TNA, then the then TNA World Heavyweight Championship, Impact World Title, whatever you want to call it, uh, GFW Championship. And that was a long time ago. I also talked to him the day after he won the Million Dollar Championship in NXT about a year and a half ago. So he's on the main roster. Now we talk about his transition to the main roster, what he was doing before, the name change, the gimmick, getting used to the main roster, and so much more. I've always been a big, big fan of LA Knight, so to see him on the big stage now thriving and doing well is really cool to see. So we talk about that. This did take place before the Royal Rumble. So we have a lot of talk about the pitch black match, uh, what it was going to be or what he thought it might be, and previewing that, the Bray Wyatt feud, and a lot more. With all that being said, enjoy my exclusive interview with L.A. Knight. All right, what's going on, guys? Graham, G.S. and Matthews here, Bleach Report and Fansided.com. We got the Royal Rumble coming up this weekend, January 28th, live on Peacock. San Antonio, one of the featured matches on the show, aside from the Royal Rumble matches themselves, of course. We got the Mountain Dew pitch black match. Bray Wyatt making his return to the ring. It's not just about Bray, though. He's taking on L.A. Knight, SmackDown superstar. Right. L.A., what's going on, my man? How are you? Uh, nothing. Just you interrupted my lunch here. No big deal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you're right. It's not just about Bray Wyatt. It is about L.A. Knight. Mountain Dew pitch black match. It's going to be a big, big, big night at the Alamo Dome. They say everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to be that's going to prove to be true here this Saturday at the Royal Rumble. Obviously, for WWE fans, they might be just starting to get familiar with you now, but obviously we saw you in NXT before that, a variety of promotions prior to that point. Is this going to be the biggest crowd that you've competed up in front of to date? 100%, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've done some decent-sized places before, but never, I mean, what are we talking, 70,000, 80,000, somewhere in that realm? So, uh, yeah, that's pretty huge. Do you have any memories of the Alamo Dome at all? I know there's been various Royal Rumbles that have hosted in that arena in, in the past. Well, I was going to say the the only the one I think of is uh, what was it? Shawn Michaels and, and Sid with yeah. uh, Jose Lothario in, in Shawn's <laughs> corner. So um, that, that's the first one and, and the main that, that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a big one. But with this match coming up on Saturday, it's such a big matchup, such a big show. It's the pitch black match again, presented by Mountain Dew, which has got to be an honor for you. I mean, this is such. It's a cool thing to hear on paper. No one really knows what to expect from it. I'm sure you're in the same boat. We don't really know until the matchup happens. Just talk about first, aside from the match itself, getting the you know your reaction to finding out it's a pitch black match. Obviously, we don't know the rules yet, but knowing that it's going to be associated with uh, you know the Mountain Dew brand, the return of the pitch black flavor, it's such like a random thing, but it feels like it goes along with your vibe perfectly. Well, let me uh, let me give you a two pronged answer to that. Uh, you know, Mountain Dew. Oddly enough, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I got my first beeper through Mountain Dew. That might sound crazy, but they did a promotion <laughs> way back where if you saved enough of the UPCs and sent it in, whatever, they'd send you a beeper. Why my teenage ass needed a beeper, couldn't tell you, but it just seemed really cool. Uh, so you're talking, man, I was drinking Mountain Dew all the time way back in the day. Uh, so, you know, now to, to now be associated. And of course, now you're talking about the pitch black match. And a lot of people are going to get a lot of questions answered on Saturday. Because I think a lot of people do have the question, what, what is a pitch black match? What's that going to be? And if I'm honest, 
I'm still going to find out because a lot of it's still a mystery to me. I, all I can tell you is at this point, I'm gearing up for a fight. Now, whether that means it's pitch black in there or you can see or it's broad daylight, doesn't make a difference. At the end of the day, I'm geared up for a fight. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Bray Wyatt has it coming. Uh, he's the one who's kind of kind of entered into my space. And, uh, you know, when you enter into somebody's space like that, you know, sometimes you just need to be backed off, and sometimes in a more violent way than you expect. Do you think it fits with, like, the theme of your career up to this point? With everything that you've done over the course of your career, beyond WWE and here now as well, you've taken everything that has been given to you and made the most of it and then done it times 10. I feel like we're getting that on Saturday with this match. We don't know what this is. Like you said, you don't really know what this is, but you're going to take whatever challenge is given to you and make it work to the best of your ability. That's the name of the game, man. If you're going to be successful at anything, especially this, uh, it's a matter of adaptation. It's a matter of whatever this is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shine through it. It's not just like, it's not just, I'm going to get through it. It's I'm going to make this son of a bitch work. And can I even say that? I don't know, but I did. I'm going to make <laughs> this thing work and, and I'm going to make it work in a way that's going to elevate me beyond anything I've been to or done before. And that's what I'm looking at. You know, Mountain Dew, pitch black. It's a whole thing that it, it's a first. That's, that's the other thing. You're looking at the second biggest pay-per-view or second, I'm sorry, second biggest premium live event. Um, I'm still adjusting. Uh, but, you know, with that being the case, now there's a there's a major first on your second biggest pay-per-view. Or, uh, said it again. Second biggest <laughs> event of the year, second to uh, WrestleMania. And to me, that's huge. That's a huge place to be, and that's a huge place to make a name, and that's a huge place to elevate beyond anything before. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. Like I said, it's been the name of the game for you, the name of your career up to this point, like you said. And even in the last six months, eight, nine months, however long you've been on the SmackDown roster, going, of course, from a maximum male model to where you are now, such a drastic difference to now being involved. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, this segment on Monday's Raw with Bray, with Taker, what a spot for that to be and what an honor for that, you know, for you to be involved in that. Uh, just talk about like the transition so far from where you were on SmackDown even six months ago to where you are now. And if for you, if there was like a turning point as far as changing that perception in people's eyes, now people see me as a superstar. Was it this one promo? Was it this one match? Was it this one moment for you so far on SmackDown? I'll tell you where I was before. I was in the wrong place. Uh, but in, in a lot of ways, it was the place that I needed to be because I needed to do what I needed to do to get where I needed to be. And beyond that, you know, at a certain point, you, you want to take whatever whatever path you can or whatever, maybe we'll call it a shortcut, I don't know. But you want to take whatever way you can to get where you want to be. At the same time, I have an innate lack of ability to be anything other than myself. Um, and so eventually that shines through and we find ourselves right back where we started at LA Night. And so, you know, to go through then that whole process and getting back into that groove of things on SmackDown, it was a necessary move. Uh, it was really the only move. And at this point, it's just, hey, you got, whether you got three minutes on TV or you got 20 minutes on TV, I'm going to do something that I'm going to make people remember. I'm going to do something that's going to make people go, oh, wait, I've never seen this guy. He's pretty cool. Or... I've seen this guy a hundred times. He's better than the last time I saw him. So in my head, it's just every single time, no matter how much time you give me, I'm going to make as much damn noise as I possibly can. I think the coolest thing about what we're seeing from you right now is that this really is who you are and who we've seen from you over the course of your career, regardless of where you've been. You've always practically been the same person Different name, different game, but it's still the same sure. LA Knight, all the same. No, I mean, uh, you know, not to rhyme there, but that's really basically what it's been. <laughs> and again, going full circle, like I said, Monday's Raw, the segment with Taker, Wyatt, such a cool segment, uh, sharing the ring with Taker. But not only that, I'm sure this dawned on you, seeing the tweets and whatnot, the association with Paul Bear, obviously with you know, yourself and your career with Taker, but a lot of people don't realize this in the WWE universe, I guess, so to speak, is that you were very closely associated with Paul Percy Pringle prior to his passing over 10 years ago, uh, helping him, you know, him helping you to get you where you are in your career. Just talk about that and, and how much that meant to you. Well, sure. I mean, the funny thing is I didn't even put the two things together in the moment because I was just so dialed into what we were doing on Monday yeah. that, uh, you know, it took me getting back to my phone 
And I think I saw Ryan Satin or somebody had just said, you know, cool fact. And then I saw the picture of 2013, 2023. And I was like, wow, that's right. I had that not even, you know, come to my mind, but yeah, I mean, almost uh, exactly 10 years to the day, right around this time is probably the last time that I saw Percy wow. Paul bear. Um, because we, uh, I, I was along with him for his last televised thing, which was a championship wrestling in Hollywood out in LA. Uh, and, uh, he had, I didn't even know that he was having health issues at the point. He had, he had lost a bunch of weight mm-hmm. and, uh, it just, it turned out that he had a condition and, uh, he just kind of kept quiet about it. And then, you know, he passed maybe a month and a half or two after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he and I had been linked for like three years straight, uh, since about 2010. So that was just a cool experience. And now to bring it full circle like that, where now 10 years later, the undertaker in the ring that is that that is kind of mind-blowing in a certain sense when you're thinking about that link and that was your raw debut was it not your first ever appearance on raw being the 30th anniversary show or was it yeah you before? wow no yeah and, and and a lot of that was kind of last minute too where it was just like oh hey uh by the way uh you're gonna be on raw monday i'm like oh okay great yeah let's <laughs> do it because i mean you know we, we, again we're going to the royal rumble pitch black match royal uh, mountain dew the whole thing like we got to there's a lot of business to get to still on Saturday, but in that lead up, man, I got a lot of noise to make. So, yeah. you know, if you want to put me on raw, you want to have me make a little noise. Hell yeah, I'll do it. You want to have me make a little noise right there with the undertaker and Bray Wyatt. Bet your ass. I'll be right there. <laughs> what a raw debut. Like I said, 30th anniversary, you're in the ring with Bray, uh, you know, a, Connor, a current big star in WWE taker, one of the biggest stars of all time on such a show, such a cool stage to see you on before the rumble on Saturday. Like you said, I know you've talked about this before and apologies if you mentioned this in other interviews, but you talk about being the same LA Knight, Eli Drake, wherever you've been different name, obviously some people get a choice. Some people get to keep the name. Some people don't LA Knight has just rolled off the tongue. That's everyone. That's who everyone associates with you now. So it's even hard to remember a time where you were Eli Drake, but I know you've also talked in the past. We did an interview five, six years ago where you talked about, I think it's so fascinating. Like, actor credits and stuff like that. And you're, you're kind of just being known by different names because obviously it, it depends on the promotion you're in all sure. over the place here. But just talk about that and, and the process of becoming LA Knight in WWE. Was that a choice on your end or was it something you just kind of made the most of upon coming here a few years well, ago? You, you know, the funny thing is I've totally pulled back on that now because uh, now I, I've kind of, uh, man, I don't want to, I don't want to pull the curtain too far back, mm-hmm. but um yeah, I I now like to kind of keep a little bit more mystique, so mm-hmm. to speak. I don't want to let anybody in too much. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, it was kind of like, I don't know where my career is going, what I'm going to be doing, this, that, whatever. So, you know, and my social media posts are pretty sparing. It's mostly all business. Um, I don't really share a lot about, you know, what's going on at home or this, that, whatever, because I, I, I would rather people imagine that think about that because now there's a particular illusion that might be there. There's a particular imagination that might be there as opposed to me just blah, here's everything. (laughs) Um, So, so there's, there's an interesting uh, mix there. My doorbell might ring here in about three seconds, but uh, never mind that. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, but, but I mean, as far as, like you said, it, it, it's, it's been pretty much, no matter what the name is, it's been the same thing. And then, and not in a stale way. Cause I mean, there's still been evolutions. There's been things that have changed yeah. and, and, and morphed over time, but at the core, at the end of the day, it's still me in there. Yeah. And that's really kind of the important thing. Cause I think that that's the, that's the best way to kind of make it work. I think of, uh, I think Jack Nicholson one time said, you know, make the character you. So mm-hmm. whatever it is, I'm going to make it me. Mm-hmm. And the different LA night that we're seeing now, a far cry from the hour long conversation with Chris Van Vliet in your own apartment a couple of years ago. You know, when you talk about pulling back the curtain a little bit, you've come a long way since then. And that was such a great interview. I go back and watch that all the time to kind of get a different version of you and how far you've grown since then. Just talking about that and every place you've been and we're seeing the shirt on you now. You finally got merch on the main roster. I was looking forward to that shirt for a while and they finally released it only a couple of months ago. How long did it take them to make that shirt? Cause you were wearing that NXT a year ago. Yeah. So, um, so we had the black one and it had LA Knight and you know, the picture of me on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, man, I was like, I just want a very basic shirt, something simple. And I was like, what if we just do the big giant LA with, you know, Knights just down there sneaking in. Um, 
And so I'd kind of just drawn it up and they were like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. But, you know, I, I mean, at NXT, I don't know how well the shirts do down there. So it's kind of like if you have one, that's probably enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there was maybe a little bit of hesitation on that part because I don't know. I don't know what the sales were doing. And, and I think that's just in general with NXT, just because the, the viewing audience isn't as large as Raw or SmackDown. So I went on my own and I was just like, well, let me just make this shirt. And so I just got a couple of them made and I was just like, I'm just going to wear it and just, you know, see if there's like a demand or anything like that. And so, you know, things kind of went the way they did and progressed. And, you know, I, I transitioned from NXT to then the main roster and, you know, uh, things went the way they did. So there wasn't really a need for an LA night shirt at that point in time. No. So when it finally came to pass and it was like, all right, well, what, do you want to do the old black shirt? And I was like, no, let's, let's do this one. And uh, so now here we are. And uh, yeah, I, I dig this one. My only thing now, I would like to have a white with just black lettering. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's got anything like that right now. Yeah. And it would just, I know it would sound kind of plain. It sounds kind of simple, but nobody's doing that. You already had a shirt like that with the Eli Drake shirt on Pro Wrestling You T, are correct. So. And that was kind of my mindset because again, at that point in time, nobody had that. And that shirt goes with literally anything. You could wear that to the gym. Yeah. You could wear that for a night out. You could wear that just casual jeans and t-shirt, whatever you wanted to do. And that's the versatility of something like that is where I'm like, oh, this works. Yep. And it's a V-neck too. So it doesn't even look like a wrestling shirt, you know? Yeah. That's the best part about it. But you talk about the transition from NXT, the main roster. I think the last time we spoke when you were in NXT about a year and a half ago, being in NXT, everyone kind of located in central Florida. You've been all over the country over the course of your career. Are you back in the LA area now or are you still in Florida? No, I'm still in Florida. I, I I would love to go back to L.A. I love L.A. I miss L.A., uh, but it's it's not in the cards right now. So um, maybe maybe in a couple of years. But if yeah. I'm honest, I, I don't I don't see it right now. Not right now, but maybe not being based out of Florida. But WWE is headed to L.A. for the WrestleMania weekend coming up in just a few short months. Now that you're on the main roster, you got to be looking forward to that. Right. That's got to be an awesome thing to look forward to. It's going to be a gigantic homecoming in my yeah. mind because uh, I've spent most of my adult life in L.A., uh, at least about 10 years there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, to to go there and have my first WrestleMania, and again, I, I'm not on the card yet. Nothing's confirmed, but how could you not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's L.A. in L.A., 2023, WrestleMania. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's a given. So uh yeah that, that's crazy because to me it's just you know i'm gonna have friends out there family out there stuff like that i mean my family's not from there but just knowing what's going to go down they're going to go out there um so that's going to be cool uh it, it's a big opportunity again to make a lot of noise and on a giant stage and in a place where i've spent most of my adult life and had a lot of fun 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 ridiculously fun times <laughs> I think people are waiting to hear that awesome entrance music of yours on the grand stage, just given the ties that it has to the West coast. Again, like I said, we talked to this last time we, we did, uh, we spoke a couple of years ago, but the California love vibe to it, everything else you got going on there. It just fits mania in LA. We got to hear that on the grand stage. I hell, it should be the WrestleMania theme song. <laughs> Most definitely. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I had a little hand in that. I mean, I wasn't in the studio doing it or anything, but I, I you know, when I first came in at NXT, um, we had talked about music and I just said, you know, I made my own music in the past. Um, and I was like, I would like to have something that has this vibe. So I sent them the song that I had created, used as my entrance music for a few years. Yeah. And, uh, and they kind of took that inspiration and created that from the song that I had made back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that same feel, that same vibe. And when I heard it, I was just like, okay, yeah, this, this works. <laughs> this, this slaps as the kids say. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds similar. And as we wind down here, LA, uh, last question for you as we head into the Mountain Dew uh, pitch black match coming up on Saturday. Speaking of mania, I'm sure you see all the rumors. You see, am I hopped up on, on, on pitch black right now? Is that your question? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess in addition to that, you see all the Mania stuff going on right now. Stone Cold, we saw him in Mania last year, could see him in Mania this year. If that's a possibility, if he ends up wrestling again, is that someone you would want to step in the ring with, just given you know the inspiration has been to you, the similarities there? I mean, it, the match just writes itself. Well, hell yeah. I mean, again, you're talking uh, making, a big no- making a big noise on a big stage and with another big name. Uh, that That's... 
again, you, you, you can't do anything better than that. So, uh, but then again, I don't know, because there's lots of times where I'm like, all right, there's nothing that could be bigger or better than this. This is what I want to do. And then something like this happened. I didn't even know that this was available. I didn't even know this was a thing that I could do. And then eventually what, three, four, five months into being an NXT, I'm the million dollar champion. So, you know, I, I say that and yes, Austin would be an amazing, but who knows? There could be things under my nose that I haven't even considered that could come up for WrestleMania. But as it stands right now, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of a of a bigger, better situation than something like that. Now, is that something that will or could happen? Who knows? Only time will tell. But uh, I would make the damnedest of that and make sure to make a whole lot of noise. But before we get to that, though, like I said, Mountain Dew pitch black match. You and yourself and Bray Wyatt coming up on Saturday, WWE Royal Rumble, San Antonio, the Alamo Dome on Peacock, 8 p.m. LA night. This is going to be awesome. We're looking forward to seeing you on your first. Is this your first premium live event for WWE, right? Uh, that is correct. And what a wow. big one to do it at. And again, you're talking about a first, first ever Mountain Dew pitch black match. So, uh, you know, to be setting, setting trends and to be setting history on what I consider the second biggest event of the year, you can't ask for a bigger way to, to come in and make a splash. And that, that hell, my first Raw was the 30th anniversary. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just, we're rolling right down the line at this point. 2023, the year of L.A. Night. L.A., Man, great time UA talking lion. to you. <laughs> great time talking to you. are always talking to everyone else, longtime family. Man, I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Hey, do me a favor. If anybody ever asks you whose game it is, you already know. L.A. Night's game. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, brother. Thanks so much. All right, man. I'll see you. Big thanks to L.A. Knight for the time. Awesome time chatting with him. Be sure to check out the video version of that interview when it drops over on my YouTube channel soon over at youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. And I implore that you do. His background was sick. And also the article version over on fansideddailyddt.com. Now, before we get to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, we were on such a short time leash today as when we recorded this earlier today, um, I had to attend the Shawn Michaels conference call before NXT, what is it this week, Vengeance Day. They do a quarterly conference call or like, you know, a pre-takeover conference call, whatever, hosted by Shawn Michaels. My first time attending one over Zoom. It was really cool. Got to ask Shawn a question. Um, that actually coincided with... Right after that happened, right after I talked to Mr. Marceau, we didn't have a ton of time to talk today. He was busy, I've been busy, so we kind of had to keep it short because we kept it short. I honestly completely forgot about Vengeance Day, speaking of which, uh, coming up on Saturday in our preview and predictions for that show. I was going to try to squeeze him in at the end there, real quickly. Um, I just didn't have a chance, so I figured before I throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, real quickly, we can go down the full card for the show coming up on Saturday, NXT Vengeance Day. And this won't take too long because I feel like the card is pretty straightforward, but regardless of what version of NXT it is, whether it's the black and gold or the NXT 2.0 era, regardless, for the last year and a half since the death of the TakeOver specials, the live specials they have done, whether it be Halloween Havoc, Deadline I thought was a really good show, um, any of the other ones they've done in the last couple of years have actually been pretty good. They tend to do their best work on the live specials. I expect this to be no uh, exception. But we start from the bottom here. The NXT Women's Tag Team titles will be in the line. Katana Chance, Caden Carter, defending against the impromptu makeshift team of Fallon Henley and Kiana James. Katana Chance and Caden Carter have been champions now for a good six months, I think. And they've had a good thing going. They have great chemistry. They've been around in NXT forever. Uh, they were largely positioned as enhancement tag team talent. And they finally got their big break last summer, finally becoming tag team champions. They don't have a very deep division, but they are kind of coming along with the team of Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. I don't give a fuck about Isla Dawn, but I could see where they're going with that alliance team. Honestly, my money would be on them taking the titles over Fallon Henley and Kiana James. Kiana James, we saw on Tuesday's NXT, was talking to someone on the phone that she said, I love you too. And it wasn't Brooks Jensen. So, and she didn't say, oh, it was my brother, it was my father, which would still be fucking weird if she said, I love you to your, your, your fucking brother on the phone. It would be a little strange. Um, but even still, I think the turn is coming on Saturday. It kind of feels like Kiana James and Duke Hudson are doing the exact same thing. I feel like we're getting a turn in either one of the matches, whether it be the NXT Tag Team title match with uh, Duke Hudson or Kiana James. And this one I totally expected. I feel like Fallon and Henley, or Fallon Henley rather, and Kiana James will have their... Uh, falling out here, and Katana and Caden Carter will retain the titles. Speaking of the NXT Tag Team Championship, the New Day will defend against Gallus, uh, Pretty Deadly, and Chase U as Andre Chase and Duke Hudson advanced. 
on Tuesday's NXT via a qualifier triple threat tag team match. Uh, this should be a good match. Uh, I don't think it's elimination style, just a standard fatal four-way tag team match. The New Day have done well in NXT. It's been fun to see them on the brand, defending the championships, having some quality matches. I feel like they've only been around to help with the live sales or the live, uh, you know, the, being back on the road and helping with the live attendance sales for the show. I could maybe see them retaining here and then being champions through Stand and Deliver. I think that's very possible. Um, I'm not sure if their schedule will allow that with WrestleMania coming up. Now, granted, Dolph Ziggler was the fucking NXT champion going into WrestleMania weekend last year. New Day are bigger deals, I would say, than Dolph Ziggler, but um, I could see there being a chance of them retaining here. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Pretty Deadly get the belts back. I feel like we are going to get a New Day Pretty Deadly match, a rematch again at some point. Maybe we get it at Stand and Deliver, and that's where Pretty Deadly get their win back over New Day. I'm going to say Pretty Deadly get their win back here. They have won Fatal 4-Way Tag Team title matches before, that being Worlds Collide back in September. Um, Chase U is over, but Duke Hudson is clearly up to something. And Gallus, I like Gallus. I don't know if they win here. So I'm going to go with Pretty Deadly taking the Tag Team titles back from the New Day only a couple of months after losing them. We then move on to the NXT Women's Championship match, Triple Threat, Roxanne Perez, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane. Uh, Gigi and JC were teasing tension for a few weeks before revealing it was ultimately a ruse last week on the show. So they're clearly in cahoots. Um, it, it's basically a handicap match as it currently stands. Roxanne did say on Tuesday's show, I feel like what you guys said to each other last week during the summit, there was some truth to some of that. So I feel like we will see a spot where Gigi and JC have to choose between who's going to get the pin, blah, blah, blah. Um, they did fight in that battle royal. I mean, they, they may have been in cahoots for the last couple of weeks, but they weren't in that battle royal when they were clearly trying to fight against each other for that shot. So when push comes to shove, I feel like we will see them maybe not split, but at least um, have that cost them the win here where they can't decide who's going to pick up the win and become champion, and they'll kind of have their falling out if only for this match. Roxanne retains as she should. She just became champion, you know, less than two months ago. So I have Roxanne winning there. Two out of three falls match, Apollo Crews and Carmelo Hayes. This should steal the show. I think the entire card should be solid. Um, Shawn Michaels actually did say during the conference call earlier today that Crews and Hayes is expected to steal the show in his opinion. He's expecting that match to be the best of the night, the one he's looking forward to the most. And he fucking books this shit. And that's the match he's looking forward to. It's not a surprise he's a Carmelo Hayes guy. That comes as no shock whatsoever. Hayes is great. Um, he lost to Cruz in a tag team match a couple of weeks ago. He beat Cruz on NXT about a month ago. I feel like he goes 2-0 on Cruz here. Maybe not going two falls straight, but I'm saying like in singles competition, he picks up two straight wins over Apollo Cruz. There's no real reason for Apollo to win this. Maybe Apollo wins and they set up a rubber match, but this has a stipulation. What would be the point of that? Um, I would just have Carmelo win here and by default become the new number one contender to the NXT Championship for Stand and Deliver against whoever the NXT Champion is, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, the NXT North American Championship, Wesley and Dijak. Wesley's been champion for a couple of months now. He won it all the way back at Halloween Havoc, which I guess was four months ago, three and a half months ago. doesn't feel like it. feels like it was just last month. Um, he's defended against Carmelo Hayes in an awesome TV match. He had that match on TV with Tony D'Angelo about a month ago, a little over a month ago. I'm going to go Dijak. I don't know if Wesley retains here and Dijak just loses and that's it for him. He's clearly back in NXT for a reason. Cruz may not have been able to have picked up any championship gold wall in NXT, but I feel like Dijak will. I'm going to go Dijak, new North American champion, finally winning the championship that eluded him his entire time in NXT years ago. So I think Dijak picks up the belt here. And then the main event, a steel cage match for the NX, rather NXT Championship. Easy for me to say, I guess. Uh, Braun Breaker defending against Grayson Waller. Their first match was good, but never really got out of first gear. That wonky finish I thought was silly. Um, they did it by design to set up this rematch. I think Braun Breaker retains, like I said earlier. I think Carmelo Hayes moves on to stand and deliver as the NXT Champion. And you can't have him do that unless Braun Breaker is the champion. Braun Breaker and Hayes is easily the biggest match they can do right now in NXT that they haven't done yet. Shockingly, in the last year plus of NXT 2.0, they haven't done Hayes versus Breaker one-on-one, -on -one, to my memory anyway. And if they have, it wasn't as important as it would be over Stand and Deliver weekend. So I think Breaker retains, walks into Stand and Deliver. Uh, Stand and Deliver, his one-year anniversary as NXT champion, and loses it to Hayes there. Grayson Waller is easily, unquestionably main roster bound, rather. I don't know if he gets called up 
after this show or after WrestleMania would be my guess. But still, I think he has a good showing in defeat before falling short to Braun Breaker in the main event on the show. So that's Vengeance Day in a nutshell. I'm looking forward to the show. I think it will be a good show as NXT, as I said earlier, tends to deliver on their biggest stages such as this one. And now we throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marceau here on Groundhog's Day. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? I'm doing well. I saw my shadow today. You saw your shadow today? Does that mean six more weeks of winter or spring or whatever the fuck it means? Yeah, six more weeks of winter. Six or more spring. weeks of winter. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's, I guess it's the same thing. It's either six more weeks till winter or six more weeks till you get to spring. So I guess you could say either way. Okay. It basically is the same thing, but... I haven't followed that too closely in a couple of years. I got to go watch the oh. Bill Murray Groundhog Day movie. That that actually is my Groundhog Day tradition. That's a great movie if you haven't seen it. But uh, listen, we got the Royal Rumble weekend in the books from last weekend. It was not Groundhog Day last week, as in we get the same thing every year. We actually had two fresh winners for the Royal Rumble for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, we had Rhea Ripley winning the women's Royal Rumble match. We had Cody Rhodes winning the men's Royal Rumble match. And moreover than anything else, Sami Zayn is officially Usi no more being booted from the bloodline after hitting Roman Reigns in the back with a steel chair. One of the best pay-per-view endings in pay-per-view history, Mr. Marceau. No, definitely. It was, it was, it literally made my night. It was incredible. So we'll get into that. We'll talk the rumble, some fallout from raw, what we might be in store for, for elimination chamber coming up in a couple of weeks. Did you catch dynamite from last night? I did. I watched it last night when I got home. We got a new TNT champion. We won't really talk too much about that. We don't have have too much time today, but we'll talk mostly about the Rumble, some fallout from Raw, get your quick thoughts on Dynamite, and we'll head on out of here. But starting with the Rumble, the the weekend itself I was there for in San Antonio. I had a great time. A lot of different shit going on. The show itself, I thought, delivered Triple H's first Royal Rumble pay-per-view since taking charge of creative last summer. And I thought overall he did a pretty good job. The undercard matches were really nothing to write home about. Alexa Bliss, Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Championship match, unfortunately not really overly memorable at all. And then the Lights Out match might be memorable for the wrong reasons, uh, specifically the aftermath with Bray Wyatt and L.A. Knight and Uncle Howdy and all that other trash. Uh, the two Rumble matches I thought were good, though. I thought they were two very good Rumble matches. And the main event was uh, very solid, and the post-match angle was uh, the best part of the entire show. One of the best pay-per-view endings in WWE history, I thought, and really setting forth what should be a very interesting road to WrestleMania. So before we get into the specifics here, what were your overall impressions, Mr. Marceau, of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view last weekend? I thought it was good. I mean, I saw like I feel like the online was all over the place. Like Some people said it sucked. Some said people said it was really good. I think I think I think the Rumble, both Rumble matches were good. To good, I would say good. Yeah, I don't want to say good to great because I don't think either of them overall would say like they were like the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I think they both were good. I actually didn't mind Bianca and Alexa. I thought it was better than their last encounter. I thought it was a decent match. I wouldn't say it's the greatest match I've ever seen, but I mean, usually for those Royal Rumble, like the big four pay-per-views, of, like I feel like especially Royal Rumble like this, it's kind of like a throw-in women's match that's like eh. I thought it was actually better than their their match on Raw, so I thought I thought that was pretty decent. The blacked out match or pitch black or whatever the hell you <laughs> want to call it was like as a match itself, it was like I, I I guess I'd just say like fine. Like I didn't like overly hate it, but like no, it wasn't awful. I just it I don't know. It felt very anticlimactic, but like it just didn't really do anything for either. I, I would say like when we go into, it, I guess I'll go a little more, but like just it was just kind of there. I don't know. I didn't love it so. But besides that, I thought the two Rumble matches good. Owens and uh, Reigns was good. Obviously, the ending was even better. Um, but I thought it was a solid show. Like I said, I, I thought Alexa and, and Bianca, like, people kind of shit on it. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I didn't think it was a bad match. Same thing with the Lights uh, lights Out match. I, I keep thinking it was a Lights Out match. That's AEW. Although NXT, I think, did have a Lights Out match a couple of months ago on NXT with uh, Wendy Chu and, and uh, Tiffany Stratton. But, no, the Pitch Black match, they weren't poorly wrestled. I just thought... This show was so fucking long. I did not know until after the fact. I mean, even being in attendance, and we were an hour behind. It started at 7 p.m. Central Time. For whatever reason, I thought it was Mountain Time, but, you know, Texas is such a big state. But anyway, um, it, w- it was a long show, dude. And then they had the press conference afterward, and, uh, I mean, not just for me being there, but, like, for people watching. It was just a really long night. I-, I did not know until after the fact. It was actually scheduled to be a four-hour show. Um, I did not know that. I, I guess that might be the... Is that the norm for the four, the big four pay-per-views? Because I don't think Survivor Series, when we went, ended at 12. Uh, no, I think it, it, it ended after 12. It definitely was not a three-hour show. I think it ended at 11.30, but it was not over after 12. This show ended at, like, 
Eastern time, like 12.15. It was a fucking long show. Thankfully, nothing on the pre-show, but that was because the Rumble matches went long. That was with a five-match card, and it still went long. And the, the post-match angle was like literally a match in and of itself. It was like a 15-minute long angle. But I have no complaints because it was so good. Um, but the show was good. I enjoyed it. Um, did set up some interesting stuff for WrestleMania. I agree, though. I thought the Rumble matches themselves were good. Um, I... <sighs> I've seen a lot of discourse in the last couple days, which one was stronger. That night I was talking to people, women's, men's. I think I had more fun with the women's, especially the second half, which I wasn't expecting because you and I talked about here on the show. Uh, crow, buddy. What'd you say? Eat some crow. I am eating some crow because, listen, I, we did talk about previously that and it, they did run into the issue early on, especially early on. Number three, Dana Brooke. Number four, Emma. Um, I like Emma, I like people like Shotzi and Tegan Knox and Candace. When they came out, I can tell you from being there firsthand, they did not get a fuck-all reaction. I mean, that's not their fault. It's more so the fact that they brought in so many women at one time without really establishing them. I've, I've talked about it before. Love Tegan Knox. We really have not gotten to know her at all on SmackDown. She's not on the show consistently enough. They're running into the, uh, the issue that AEW has and bringing in so many people at once that the main roster audience, and there's a lot of hardcores of the Rumble, um, they don't really know these people, and they don't really know them from a hole in the wall, and there's really no reason for them to care about them. Um, so that they did kind of run into that issue early on, but they had a lot of returns in the Women's Rumble, not only from alumni. They didn't really rely on alumni as much this year. We didn't get a Cameron or an Alicia Fox or a Melina. Uh, we did get a quick Michelle McCool cameo, which I thought was cool. She came from the crowd. I mean, we've seen her in the Rumble like seven times. But listen, it was better than and then Kelly Kelly for the millionth time because I thought the way they did the Michelle McCool one was well done. I didn't even know she was in the audience. I guess she, they showed her on camera at one point at ringside. I did not see that. Um, so we had that one. Nia Jax was back. Um, listen... <laughs> Hated it in the moment. We all know. I, I think Nia is terrible, but I don't think they should bring her back. I, I was texting you about this as someone told me this when I was there. Uh, Rick actually made a great point. That was the one that brought it up. That was the person that brought it up to me. If they do bring her back, and there's been no indication that she is signed aside from one thing, I know Meltzer, whoever, I think maybe PW Insider said, oh, it was just a one off. I'm not really sure why the fuck they would release a t-shirt for someone that was only back for a one-off. I didn't see any Kelly Kelly t-shirts last year or Alicia Fox shirts or whatever. So I feel like she is back. Uh, we do have one more spot open in the Raw Women's Championship. Number one contenders elimination chamber. I feel like it might be occupied by her or someone else. I, I really hope not. But um, listen, if she's there to help put over other women and help them get over it, because Nia, listen, I would rather have Nia in it than Charlotte as champion. And I, I hate that I'm even saying I would want Nia in the match, but I thought it was a great troll because no one was expecting... They botched her entrance, but um, it was a great troll in that, you know, it was just... Uh, no one was expecting it. I think it might have been rumored a little bit beforehand, and it was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? And then everyone teamed, up, teamed her up on her and threw her out anyway, so that didn't really bother me. But with the women's rumble specifically, Mr. Marceau... Any highlights of what stood out to you? Obviously, Rhea Ripley lasting the entire time, as did Liv. The return of Asuka as Kana, I thought, was one of the best parts of the entire match. The reveal with the face paint was fucking sick. Um, you know, some good stories told in there, and I thought overall they kind of kept the interest of the crowd, specifically in the second half of the match. No, I thought it was I thought it was good. I, I liked that that Rhea and Liv were the first two. I thought they start off with two of the top names, like you said, and then Dana Brooke and Emma came in, which... I mean, I love Emma. Dana Brooke, I, I don't think any, I don't think she has, if any, fans, little to begin with. So, like, she in there, like, whatever. Um, Shayna Baszler, I like her. But, I don't know, like, even her, like, they kind of started pushing her on SmackDown with Ronda. And now that Ronda's not there, she just kind of fall by the wayside. Uh, then, like, Bailey came in. Um, that kind of picked up the energy a little bit, obviously. Yes, another name. I know you went nuts when B-Fab came in. I mean, I think you could have heard pin drop. <laughs> The worst part is, yeah, I'm pretty sure she came in immediately. She might have hit, like, two moves and got tossed by Rhea in second. So. She was the first one eliminated, yeah. Yeah, and then I liked Roxanne. I wish she was in a little bit longer. I did see a report that they wanted to keep it short with her because she has yes. a ton coming up, which I get to a point, but, I mean, I wish she was in there longer. She got a, she got a, probably one of the bigger pops. and I mean, for the little time she was in there, she shined the whole time, which... Obviously, that's the point of the Rumble to get there and shine, but I thought she came off pretty, one of the better people. Obviously, the people we don't really know, but I mean, she's, I'm pretty sure she's local to that area anyway, so she got a decent pop to begin with. Yeah, um, yeah, she got a good uh, reaction, yeah. 
Then Kai and Sky came in. I, I, we talk about them having no heat. I think they did a pretty good job here. I mean, I agree. Not, that, not a lot of people care about them, but maybe they're really trying to, to beef it up. I mean, this whole Becky program, um, they're definitely trying to get more heat. I mean, they were kind of like the heels of this match. Like, they were eliminating everyone. They threw out Roxanne. Um, I don't know. They threw out Becky. Or no, Becky got to throw out the Kai and Sky. They, they did throw out like several they women, yeah. Claret, like, they kind of threw out more of the baby face. That, like, yeah. Like they got more of a heel reaction than they normally do, so I was kind of happy with that aspect because I like the guys. I like the group. I like the people in the group. I guess I'd say, but it just hasn't really clicked. And then like you had Becky coming in, her and Bailey getting tossed out, and then continuing that that little feud, which is nice. I think that's what you can kind of outline both Rumbles. I think they had a lot of good things going on. Um, it was more storyline based, which is nice, and I feel like they continued that into the match and probably continue out of it, but. I thought the women's was just solid. The last three came down to uh, Rhea, Liv, and Oscar. I thought the finish itself was. I thought the men's was really good when they had kind of had like that lawn out, that lawn out finish with with Gunther and Cody. But I Love think it. I even liked that one a little bit more. Like all three girls are on the on the apron. Mm-hmm. Oscar goes to to miss Rhea. He thinks she's gonna get her hits Liv, and you're like, oh, she's done. But then Rhea eliminates Oscar, and then you had that one moment she hit her with—I don't know what her finish is called. Oh, uh, Oblivion, I think. Yeah. She hits her with Oblivion, and Rhea, like the way she she took the bump was yeah. even, even like cool. Like she like started like kind of like noodle legging towards the uh, middle of the apron, and it kind of like slipped. Like it seemed like she like slipped off the apron and like caught the top rope with both her hands, and then Liv like kind of still like out of it with the mist in her face. Literally just walked over to and she fucking. I don't even know, it's like, not even a, it's like the Shawn Michaels kind of like pulled himself over the rope. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. All that. But she kind of did that, like a, basically like a, a, a hanging, uh, like ab crunch and just grabbed her on the legs and flinged her and she took a back, like a back bump. Mm-hmm. I thought it was sick. Like, even though we thought, like, Rhea obviously was the favorite going in, so it is what it is, but I liked how she was in the whole time. She was like a force the whole time. It wasn't like she was like Rey Mysterio, who I love. But when he was in that rumble and lasted the whole time, he literally did nothing. He just like sat in the corner and wasn't really a factor pretty much the whole match. I like that Rhea, like she went ran the gauntlet. She like was a key part of the match and she won. And I, even though it was predictable, I, I, I liked how she came and won. And I think that's what I liked this one even a little bit better. Because like Cody coming back. I, I didn't love that he was 30. I think no, I didn't just, like that at all. I hated that, especially actually. Especially that he was announced. If he was a surprise, it would have been great. But, like, him coming back, obviously at 29 when he's not coming out, you knew he was 30, and you're like, okay, I guess. Like, Rhea can actually claim, like, I went through 29 other women because she was in the match all the time. Cody's like, I went through 29 other guys. Like, no, you didn't. And you were, when you came in, there was, like, five people left. So. <laughs> Um, but no, I like the women's one. I'm glad I was right. I'm glad you can eat crow, and I'm glad <laughs> good match. No, I liked it. I love the finish. I agree. I thought it was really well done. I did think it was weird. They had the baby face win from 30, and the woman, the, the female win from number one. Uh, no major complaints, though, with the winners. I, I love that Cody won. I love that Rio won. We picked them. I'm glad they went with them. They didn't switch it up for, you know, swerve for the sake of a swerve. That would have been dumb. Uh, no, I really, really liked it. I thought Rhea had a stellar show. And Gunther, same thing, like you said with Rhea. Like, she was in it for the whole time. She actually did stuff. As did Gunther. That multi-minute match that we got at the end of the men's one with Cody and Gunther was great. Um, he came away from this match looking like a real star. And I really loved uh, both matches a lot. I, 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 I not loved them, but I thought both matches were quite good. And the finishes were fantastic. Both two of the better Rumble finishes I've seen in a long time. It's up there with Bianca and Rhea from 2021. Because uh, that one could have gone either way. This one, you kind of had a feeling Rio would win, but I'm glad they actually went with um, Rhea as opposed to Liv. Uh, so Rhea is indeed challenging Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. We found out on the next night's Raw, uh, looking to settle a score from three years ago, and Charlotte beat her for the NXT Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36 and for the Raw Women's Championship back in 2021. So Rhea has never before beaten Charlotte Flair. Tag team stuff, single stuff, triple threats has never beaten Charlotte before. What are your thoughts on that match being made official? Because all you know, all signs pointed to it being Rhea and Bianca. They've teased it. They planted the seeds. Um, I thought it would be that match. I wanted to see that match. Charlotte and Rhea is fine though, because again, it does make a little bit more sense why Rhea would want Charlotte to kind of exercise that demon from a few years ago, and now Bianca gets a fresh challenger instead. So honestly, I'm totally okay with this, and I'm looking forward to Rhea. Hopefully 
It would be dumb if she didn't. Beating Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's title at WrestleMania. No, no, I liked it. I thought it was good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad she's going after Charlotte. I think the SmackDown's women's division specifically needs a shakeup. So Rhea going to SmackDown, being the one like, who's she going to face? Raquel? Like, no. I mean, I mean, I mean she could have, honestly. It's Raquel, I will say real, real quick, she got a good reaction, a much better reaction than I was expecting at the pay-per-view. I mean, she's also from Texas, so... No, even still, I, I thought they wouldn't care, to be honest. No, I think I feel like the, the hometown people usually get a little bit better pop. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I, I'm glad she's going out the Charlotte, like I said, kind of like doing that wrong, trying to get, trying to finally beat Charlotte. I, I, I think, obviously, this should be her time. I mean, I, I, I hope to God she's going to lose again. She'd just be buried at that point. But no, I'm glad she's going to SmackDown. I feel like they need a shake-up. They just had the same, like six women contending for the belt since Ronda won it last year and even with Liv having the belt like it's just always been like oh five women challenge whoever wins gets a title shot and the person never has a chance to win so I'm glad Rhea's going there and then I guess we'll see what happens with Raw I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more interested to see what they do with Raw because I just not that it's the sexiest match of all time but like look at the Limitation Chamber like there's good women in there but I'm just like I, I think it, I mean assuming it'd probably be Asuka but uh, I'm interested to see what happens on that aspect well, we don't know because we have that qualifier next week. It's Meech and Candice. Dewdrop. I'm sorry, I can't say Dewdrop anymore. It's Piper Niven. Great to see her back as well. Um, Piper Niven and the returning Carmella, who was also back. Why they didn't put Carmella in the Rumble? Maybe they felt they had too many returns. I, I don't know, but I mean, that was a little. They were just like, oh, Carmella's back. I'm like, okay, that's weird. She's been gone for like fucking six months, but whatever. Um, good to see her back. That's a qualifier next week. I assume Carmella wins. Um, if not, because they kind of tease Carmella and Asuka backstage on Raw this week. I mean, Piper would be great. Candice and Meechan cancel out because they're going for the tag titles likely soon. And then for the other spot, you know, like I said, I really, really hope it's not Nia Jax. Um, I could see a scenario, though, where that final spot goes to Ronda Rousey, who we have not seen since losing the SmackDown Women's title to Charlotte about a month ago on SmackDown. And I could see her being in that match because... <sighs> Let's map this out real quick, because what do you do? I don't really... I mean, Bianca and Ronda is a fresh match. It is a bigger marquee match for Mania. I'm not really sure how much star power Ronda has left, to be honest with you. But, you know, she still is a notable name. They might want to put her in a title match at Mania. I could see them doing that. I don't really want to... I would much rather see Asuka and Belair, even though we've seen that match before. This version of Asuka is fucking awesome. So if Asuka's not going for the championship, I don't really know what you do with her. She's already feuded with Bailey. She's feuded with Becky. I don't want to see either of those two matches again. Um... I'd rather see Asuka and Bianca in a one-on-one feud. Do you do Becky and Ronda and reignite that feud not over a championship? I mean, I think that'd be fine. I'm not sure how many people would want to see it. I just think dragging on Becky and Bailey through WrestleMania also isn't really a viable option either because I'm kind of ready for that rivalry to be over as well. Yeah, I was just saying, I think, like, looking at this match, I think on paper right now, I think it would be uh, Asuka's, like, the, they should be the shoe in the win. Looking at what happened now, obviously we don't know who else is going to be in the match. Um... Like, I did see reports that they were saying, like, oh, yeah, Bailey and Becky's going to be at WrestleMania. I'm like, you're going to drag this for another two months? Mm. Two months? They're even dragging over, like, a month or two. It's no, just... it's been, like, three months. They started the uh, Survivor Series, dude. Exactly, but I'm just like, no thanks. Like, it, and, like, they were, I'm pretty sure they're facing off. Isn't, like, aren't they facing next week in a steel cage? Yes, they are, yeah. So how are you going to draw it out even longer? Like, are they going to take Rue and cut her head off? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want any issue. I don't want any damage to a child. But like, how else could you? How else could you drag it out another two months? No, listen. I've actually liked the feud. I think they've done a good job with it, making it personal. But I feel like they've gotten all that they can out of it. They've done all the matches. You know, Becky's faced the other damage control members. This would be their second match coming up. They can have a rubber match if Becky wins on Monday. I don't know. That doesn't really... that. Like you said, you have to drag it out another two months. And they're not even both going to be in the chamber. Only one of them would be, if at all. Do you think their match on Monday might be a qualifier? Because currently, there's no indication either of them will be at the pay-per-view. I mean, yeah, no. I feel like if you put, like, if... So, like, perfect example is, like, I feel like if you put... If Becky wins, they put her in, then, like, damage control is going to cost and they want to drag it out even longer, so... I don't know. I don't, like, I think it's a good match. I think, like, if you just did Becky and Bailey at WrestleMania no title, I think it's a good match. I think it's a really good match, a really good non-women's title match. I just think for how long it's tried out, I don't see it lasting. It even last two more months, and I just feel like at WrestleMania, people just don't care, wouldn't care at that point. It's been so long. Yeah, no, I think um, for as little as people want to see it, I do think Ronda and Becky would make more sense. Because at least there's history there. They, we haven't seen it one-on-one. 
I guess you could do Ronda in the tag title picture. I, I, listen, I don't really care too much about Ronda being in the Mania matches at all, but I'm just saying I'm looking at it from their standpoint. If she's still around and she's not done yet, then I could see them probably... What'd you say? Could have done her Becky last year. Uh, yeah, but in retrospect, listen, I agree. We talked about it at the time that it would have been a mistake to not do it. In retrospect, they made the right decision. Bianca beating Becky was, first of all, the best WrestleMania women's match of all time. Second of all, um, it was the better story and it just made more sense. So. True, but now you're never. Well, like you said Ronda is literally as cold as she's ever been. I so agree, but I'm glad. Like, 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 you I think it's fine that we never got it, though. I think it's okay. I'm okay. I, honestly, if it means if it was a, if it was between that match and what we got, and what we got, and the, and the only drawback is you never get Becky and Ronda. I'm okay with that. I'm on it because we got it. I agree. I agree. Like as an in-ring match, obviously Becky and Bianca was going to be better, but I feel like. The whole point of Ronda coming in is to draw money and draw eyes. And at the time, like now, she is as literally as interesting. She's literally the least interesting she's been since she's been in the company. And I feel like they've let that marquee match just go by the wayside. Like they can still do it, but I just don't think people would care. And I no, they it. wouldn't. They wouldn't. But at the same time, I agree. But at the same time, I think with what they did instead, they made a new star in Bianca. Yes, you can say that they made a new star with her the year before, but they fucked her over at SummerSlam. And that, listen, if they didn't do that, she probably would have been fine. But they fucked her over at SummerSlam in 2021. I'm just giving you the business side. No, no, no. I Listen, I agree too. I think I'm, I'm looking at it from the other end where it's like, yeah, you're right. They did ruin whatever they kind of had in Ronda by not doing that match. I mean, granted, you could have made money off a of Charlotte match, but the feud sucked and Ronda just... On her part, it's partially her fault. She just hasn't really... Her promos have been awful. Her matches haven't been overly great. She really hasn't held up her end of the bargain either. Um, they had her lose at WrestleMania, which was also dumb. I think if it, if it was between making money off of Ronda, which is why you brought her in, like you said, or, to me, making a new star in Bianca, I think that's more important. Because, honestly, even when Ronda came back last year, it's not like everyone was excited. There's still a lot of people that were like, I, listen, I don't really care. They could have maybe switched that around by having her face Becky, change people's minds. But I think, to me anyway, Bianca was the bigger priority because she's like the biggest female star they have right now aside from Becky Lynch. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you can look at it both ways. I just feel like the reason I brought Ronda in was to bring star recognition and draw money and draw different eyes. Like, yeah, Bianca's great. I think she's a great addition to be a big star. But, like, I feel like she'll never... She'll never be as hot as Ronda Rousey ever was. So I feel like you got to look at it both ways. But I get like if you're worried about the company itself and growing big stars or growing new big new stars, Bianca would be more of a priority. It's like the business you'd rather see Ronda, but like as like a talent thing, you'd rather see Bianca because you know there's longevity and stuff like that, and she's a better wrestler in general. So I guess it's they're two different kind of things. Business wise, you'd probably want Ronda. As like a talent development or just like a fan, you'd rather see Ronda with her or Bianca because she's just a better overall wrestler. Well, she's just better just in general. Of the general, WWE, yeah, she's it? better in general. She's literally better in every facet besides drawing <laughs> money attention. Yeah, but listen, I know Ronda's a big name, but the thing is, is like you said that Bianca may never be as big of a name as Ronda, which... Yes, in the UFC, yes. UFC Ronda, I agree. WWE Ronda, I think Bianca is already as big of a star, if not a bigger star than Ronda was in 2018, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm just saying as a global thing, like everyone knows, a lot of people know who Ronda Rousey is, even if you don't watch the UFC, Correct. not a lot of yeah. people know who Bianca Belair is. It's just kind of like that aspect. And I also think, too, they still could have not done Becky and Ronda last year, but also still used Ronda in a meaningful way on SmackDown, and they dropped the ball with that, too. No, I agree. I think SmackDown, since Ronda got the belt, kind of like once Charlotte went away and they did, like I said, they had like the five or six same women that they kind of just like trotted out there, do some random like elimination match. We'd get a new contender, lived, cashed in, lost the belt like right back to Ronda. And then we got her and Rita, her and Shotzi, her and Natalia. Like they just blew through the whole division. Now they have nothing. So. And those matches weren't interesting anyway. Like I like Shotzi and the Natalia match was the Natalia match, but it's like. That division just needs a lot of help. I'm hoping after WrestleMania they can switch them up, switch stuff up, give us more of a reason to care about Tegan Knox and people like that. Just I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of managers over there: Zelina, um, Valhalla, Bfab, uh, Scarlet. Like they need they need to kind of put some of those people on Raw too, because it's just it's very uneven right now. I know we went on a tangent about that, but with the, with the uh, men's Rumble winner, were you happy with Cody Rhodes winning? I was happy that Cody won. My one negative was I thought he should have, for what they did, he should have been kept as a surprise. 
I like that he's back. I thought the moment was good, but with the way it was played out, I think it would have been a way bigger moment at him at 30 if he was surprised. And at that, like I said, at 29, we knew it was going to be him. Um, not that, like I said, not that predictability is the worst thing ever, but I just feel like he should have been there a little bit longer and it would have helped. And it like, I don't know, it would have been more of a surprise. Like, even though we knew he was going to be in it, like, you could have came out of, like, somewhere in the middle, and it would have been a surprise. Like, at 30, you knew he was coming out. Yep. There was no So, I, mm. I, I wish he was a surprise that they're going to do 30. Because um, looking back at it now, like, I think hindsight, it would have been a, even a bigger moment if he came out of 30 if it was a surprise. Um, but no, I'm not mad that he won. Like, I kind of, I mean, I think he was the best choice. I think, like, the little match him and Gunter had at the end was great. Um but my one complaint would be I wish that they kept it as a surprise since he was 30. If if, if he was any other number, fine, that he's coming back because it still would have been a bigger surprise than at 30 when he knew it was just it was he was the only one left. I agree. I think he could have come out. He could have come out at 25, 20, 15. I mean, I, I don't know if it was a case of like I know he told Ariel Hawani like, oh yeah, I got cleared today. Maybe they didn't want to risk him getting hurt. I mean, I'm not really sure. I thought doing one in 30 as the last people in the rumble for both rumbles to me was lazy. Um, I mean, I like the finishes of both, but it's like, okay, what's the fucking odds of that happening? I really hope we don't get another winner from 1 or 30 for a long time, because we saw with Edge two years ago, he won from number one. Brock from one from 30 last year. It's like, all right, can we have like a fucking middle number one one of these years? I mean, it, they just kind of got overboard with it. But beyond that, I liked it. Um, I agree with that. Edge was kind of predictable he'd be in it. Booker T was a nice surprise. I heard he wasn't supposed to be in it until like that day he got asked he, he said so that was weird I don't know if someone else was supposed to be in, was supposed to be in it in his spot you know maybe Pat McAfee but Pat McAfee also said on his show everyone's talking on their podcast Pat McAfee said that the original idea was for him to be in the rumble but he told him a couple of weeks months ago listen I can't get into shape I, my wife's having a kid blah 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 I got game day college football blah 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 so he couldn't do it but they knew that a while ago so I don't know what fell through with the Booker entrant but it was cool to see him in there um, and then Logan Paul was also a surprise, eliminated Rollins to tell that story. I'm sure that's going to happen at WrestleMania. So what were your thoughts on the surprises? Um, there was a lot of criticism, not a lot, but you know, there weren't enough surprises, which I agree with. I guess there was a report a while ago. I must've missed it, that they were hoping to focus more on the active roster. And that's why there weren't, you know, like fucking Chris Masters or Scott Steiner coming back from 15 years ago or whatever, 20 years ago. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I just, I, I've always said this, and you, you agree. We were texting about it. God bless him for being in the match, but does Elias really need to be in there? I love Alpha Academy. Do they really need to be in there over like at least one NXT person? I thought that was a little disappointing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, I think when you say there's no surprise, he's going to build up the current roster, which yeah, I like. But like, why wasn't Bronson Reed in that? No, so that was that I was fine with because they probably wanted to protect him. Okay, you can still protect him and still, like, I think, like, you can still protect Like, he could be one of those people that goes in and tosses a ton of people out. But regardless, but, like, uh, I, I completely agree. Like, I think I'd rather them have, like, a couple surprises or, like, so even a couple NXT people, like, get them get them on TV, like, Braun Breaker or Carmelo Hayes. Like, they would have looked better than Elias, who was in there for 39 seconds. Baron Corbin, who's been going backwards since he's been taken over by Triple H, seven seconds, like... I like Angelo Dawkins. Like he was literally brought in to get thrown out by 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 uh, Brock Lesnar. Like I don't know. I I think you could have done a little bit more surprises and kind of weeded out for the tag team specifically. They should just be one person putting both of them in there when they both clearly have no chance to win. Kind of just like it's overkill. At that no, point. I've always yeah, we've always said that yeah. And like even like Omos, okay, bring him in just so he can get thrown out by Braun again. Like, okay, like, does anyone give a shit? Like, I don't know. I thought like they brought up like, oh, Omos gonna be in it, and he got tossed in like two minutes. Yeah, it was the put over Strowman, so I get that. That was I was okay with that, but but no, I, no, I thought it was fine. I, th- I thought they like kind of paced it well, um, but like I, I wish they had a little bit more surprises. You can still build on the current roster, like I said. Like you can also introduce some newer faces and. Bring some people back too. Like Booker T was like whatever. I mean, he was in there for forty two seconds. He had like three like axe kicks and did the spin rooney got tossed out. So, yeah, it is what it is. I guess. Yeah, no, no, I agree. It, you know, it was a nice little moment. They were in Texas. It made sense. I'm not really sure what fell through there. I would love to know. Um, with Cody winning, we'll keep this short because I got we got to get going in a couple minutes. But with Cody winning, there's been a lot of discourse. I want to get your thoughts on this. I've talked about it enough. 
Sami Zayn, people were like, oh, he should have won the whole thing. I know you wanted them in the match. I'm glad it kind of worked out the way that it did. Because if Sami was in and he didn't win, Cody would have been not as cheered as he was. I think Cody's the guy to beat Roman at WrestleMania. I am honestly completely okay with Sami facing Roman at Elimination Chamber and losing, and then facing the Usos at Mania. We've talked before, how would that make sense if Jay likes Sami? It's easy. Jay sides with his family. He's conflicted right now, but at the end of the day, as he always fucking has, he'll fall in line. He'll turn on Sammy after Sammy turned on Roman. Then Sammy will be betrayed, and then he's going to turn to the only friend that he has left, that being Kevin Owens. And then we get Kevin Owens and Sammy against the Usos at WrestleMania, Roman and Cody Rhodes, and hopefully all of the bloodline loses. So that to me makes the most sense. That's what I want to see, but a lot of people just don't agree and would rather see Sammy in that spot instead. I wouldn't be upset if Sammy got the title match of Mania. I'm not really sure why he would. Um, I just, I don't know. I think the Montreal match makes more sense. I'm not really upset with where they're going with this. I think it makes perfect sense personally. No, I mean, I just, not that I think it should be Sammy over Cody, but I think they should, I would prefer if they did Cody versus Roman for the WWE title and Sammy versus Roman for the Universal. And then that's how you kind of split the belts up. Like, I think Cody will get his moment, but like, I think then he would have, then Roman would have to lose both matches, and even if not necessarily so, then it's also a case of like they've built up Roman as the undisputed champion for a year. I think he should lose the undisputed title and then have Cody split it the next night. That's just me. I think you could still have a. I think Sammy winning the tag titles is still a massive moment considering the Usos are a champion for two fucking years. It is a so I agree on that aspect. I think it is a big moment, but the, it just. The problem I have with it itself is like, yes, it's a big moment, but you're you literally, that's what you're saying. It's a big moment. But what we've seen lately with Triple H's tag team division, like, they've been actually focused on actual tag teams, kind of building them up. So it's like, you're going to take the belts off an established team to put it on a makeshift team for a moment. Well, they can be champions for a while. And I just... I like it to a point, but I just feel like his story is bigger than the, the tag belts. If the tag belts were a bigger deal, I guess, I think maybe I'd be a little bit more keen to it. But it's like, I, I just feel like the mo- it's the biggest thing going on. I feel like it should be going for the biggest thing. Like, putting it for the tag titles just seems like it's sliding him a little bit. I understand, like, he probably get his opportunity in Montreal, but I, I, I think... I think a lot of people think the same way that he is the biggest thing. Like, Cody's been gone. Like, yeah, he was hot when he was here, but, like, not the perfect example is, like, you strike with the iron. It's like, the iron is hot, as hot as it's ever going to be for Sami Zayn right now. Like, yeah. you, know, you, could, you could probably say the same thing with Cody, but, like, right now, to anyone watching WWE, it's clear as day as Sami's the, the most over and the biggest thing going on right now. So I feel like it is conflicting. Um,. And, like, what like what does it say if Cody wins both belts the next night? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to drop this one. I know Roman had it for three years, but it was <laughs> Like, that just seems like he's just like, oh, yeah, the title means nothing. So, yeah. I don't really like that either. It just makes it seem like that title means shit. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to drop it. Don't want it. Whatever. Gives a fuck. So, yeah. I mean, Roman's going to lose. But I feel like you could do something that Sammy takes the Universal and and then, and then Cody takes the WWE. Like you said, like, maybe they don't know what Jay's going to do and he helps Sammy at the end. I don't know. Like, there's still, like, I think there's also still just more juice in that storyline in general. Like, the Cody thing's like, he's been saying riddles and talking about winning the WWE title because his dad didn't win it fucking 40 years ago, which is great and all. But I just feel like in storyline, the one to beat Roman, theoretically, could be Sammy. Yeah, or Jay. No, I, I agree. Someone in that story. Like, it's the biggest thing going. It's been going up for seven, eight months at this point. Like, it's been almost a year that they've been telling this story with Sammy and the Bloodline. Like, it just feels like the way it's going, one of them, someone from them should be the one to beat Roman. I agree. I, well, I don't agree, but I see what, I see your point. So, like, I think Cody should, like, it's weird, because I think Cody, obviously, like, he should win the WWE belt, because I feel like that's what the story they're telling there, but, like, Sammy or Jay should be the one to get their final come up as on Roman. Like, Roman, Theoretically, if we're going long-term storytelling, like, Jay was the first one to, like, be in the bloodline. Like, Roman, like, beat the fuck out of him. He basically, like, instead of, like, sticking up for himself, they both, the Usos, like, eventually just joined Roman after he treated him like shit. They've been doing his dirty work for three years. And Sammy's finally the one to show Jay, like, hey, you can stand up to Roman, because he just did it. And you can just tell the story there. I feel like the story itself is there, not with Cody. Cody's more about the belt itself. 
but Sammy's more about the individual and the actual story. I mean, I think it's better than Jay. Jay winning the belt would just be, if, again, that's, you talk about moments, that's a fucking moment. That's it. Yeah, seriously, main event Jay Uso, I'd fucking cry. <laughs> I don't see him being champion for more than two months. I don't know. I, well, I mean, is what it, like I said, there are a lot of moments. I agree. Like Liv winning the belt was a moment. Like she held the belt. Well, I mean months. that that was different though. She could have she could have stayed at that level, and they just the follow up was weak. That was different. No, I agree. I just like I said, I feel like a, some things, especially WrestleMania. Though I feel like a lot of times WrestleMania is more about the moment than the actual like follow up. Yeah, follow-up. true, true. We'll talk more about this next week. We'll talk all about more. I have uh, we have plenty more to say about Cody Rhodes winning the Rumble. The Bloodline Fallout. We'll get more on SmackDown this coming week. Next week, we'll break down Vengeance Day as well. Um, the NXT event coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that next week. We didn't have a chance to talk Dynamite today, but we'll talk about that next week as well. we got a new AEW TNT champion, so we'll discuss that next week. Mr. Marcel, great time as always, brother. I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Uh, same here. <laughs> I, was say, I didn't know honestly, like I didn't know that's what you were going to ask me, so I was like, uh, yep. Ask you what? No, I was, I was just going to throw in that we didn't talk about this at all i just want to throw it in the fucking blacked out match was terrible <laughs> but the, no the match itself was fine i know we it, talked about it earlier a little bit we'll yeah. talk about it at a later time but i just want people to know it was bizarre yeah no the fallout was awful the match was fine the match was okay the fallout with i honestly at this point i'll just say this quickly don't care i don't care about the uncle howdy stuff i just don't i'm sorry i just don't <laughs> i mean I, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll shit on it some more next week. We'll talk about it in depth. We'll see what happens on SmackDown. Have a great weekend, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, I'll talk to you. Adios.